Thanks, Rosie and Neil. Hey, everyone. My name's Lee. I'm one of the ministers here. Um, and this morning, we're beginning a new series in the book of Psalms. So I'd love it if you turned forward to Psalm 3 on page 770. The passage that Rosie read for us was sort of the background to that psalm, um, as we'll see. But let me pray before we begin. Father, I thank you that we can meet this morning. Um, I pray, yeah, that whatever we've brought um, here this morning, and even, yeah, as James has mentioned, through this whole year, um, whether it's been a year um, of joy um, or trouble, um, or probably a mixture of both, um, I pray that through your spirit and through your word this morning, uh, we'd be able to rest um, and rejoice in hearing from you. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Um, how do you respond in moments of trouble? How do you usually respond? Do you panic? Do you walk away? Do you try and fix it yourself? Or do you seek advice from others? Or do you try and do all those things at once? Just cover all your bases? Well, I was barbecuing the other day. Um, and I was I filled the barbecue with greasy, cheap sausages, The whole this whole huge barbecue, four-burner barbecue. But on one half of the barbecue was the grill, and the fat was pouring from these sausages through the grill and onto the flames. And slowly the flames began to grow. You know, it started romantically, some candles, but it grew. But I wasn't phased. I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. My friend next to me, had had a similar experience a few days before, and he didn't think it'd be fine. He'd seen this, seen what happens, and so he said, I'm going to get some water. And I was like, oh, that's sort of over the top. But by the time he got back, 30 seconds later, not that long, the whole thing was on fire, um, and the water actually helped. And I'd like to say that no sausages were harmed in these events, but I can't. Most of them were fine. It was fine. Um... We all respond differently when trouble arises. Maybe we're calm, maybe we try and ignore it, um, or maybe we're anxious to do something straight away. When we're in the thick of it, we go to different things and different people. And I'm not just talking about barbecuing issues. Like when we're in trouble, we all cope in different ways. And yeah, maybe we turn to ice cream, maybe alcohol, Maybe to crowds of people or a quiet corner. Maybe to just sitting on the couch and binging some TV um, or going out and updating our wardrobe. But where should we turn? Where should we turn in times of trouble? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a lot of the things we turn to. And some, yes, are more healthy than others. But above all, where is our hope, our true hope, and our true help in trouble. Well, here in Psalm 3, which I'd love you to keep open, in the midst of his trouble, David cries out to God. We read that Absalom, his own son, and we see it there at the start of the psalm, his own son is trying to kill him and dethrone him. Absalom has sneakily turned the whole nation almost of Israel against his father, as we read. And so David is on the run. He's in hiding. He's on high alert. He doesn't know where he's going to end up. 
And in the midst of running for his life, he cries out to God. And in verse 4, he confidently declares, I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. Even though David is far from Jerusalem now, this holy mountain, the temple where God dwelt, he knows God listens. He knows that the God he calls out to never turn, tunes out his children's cries. Now, if David has confidence, we have many more reasons to be confident. We know the God who came near, the Emmanuel child, God with us. And we have God himself. If you put your trust in Jesus, if you're a Christian, you have God himself dwelling in you through the Holy Spirit. God hears our cries. We know this. And so we cry out to him. Now, as, you know, doing Christmas shopping, all that sort of stuff, I just had this realisation that things are a little too convenient at the moment. I mean, I probably wouldn't change it. It's great. But that we can get almost anything we want, whenever we want, I... It just can't be good for us. I feel this way anyway. You know, we no longer have to... This is like some silly examples. But we no longer have to watch the TV programs that Channel 7, 9, 10, SBS, ABC schedule for us. We can choose exactly what we want to watch, when we want to watch it, and we don't have to watch any ads most of the time. We don't have to wait in lines when we go to the shops. We can just sit at home, click a few buttons, and it gets delivered to our door. We don't even have to wonder and think anymore. We can just Google or chat GPT our answers. And I was thinking about it as reading this psalm. Crying out to God or seeking God in this landscape can actually feel so lame. Praying to God about our problems, it can feel like a waste of time. When for most of them, we can just Google our way out of them. We can fall into the habit of only crying out to God when we've exhausted all other avenues. But the simple truth that this psalm is encouraging us with is that we should cry out to God. We should cry out to God when we're looking for a parking spot, when we're responding to a nasty text message, when our kids are struggling, when we're struggling with old age, when we struggle with our image, with school, with anything, for all the troubles we face, we should cry out to God. He should be the first person, the first one we come to. And maybe today, maybe this morning, you need that simple yet profound reminder that God hears you, that God is with you. There's nothing wrong with turning to a friend or a counsellor or to a holiday or to vegging out on the couch. But reach out to God who is with you. He wants to hear your cries. Ask that God would use the couch, the friend, the holiday, whatever it is, that he would be in those moments, that he would give you relief in your trouble through those things. He is God. He's in control of everything, no matter where you are or what you're going through. And God is ready to listen. 
I remember a few years ago at night church, a new Christian here, out of the blue, I didn't know them very well, and they didn't know what I was going through or thinking, but it just came up to me and said something like this, Lee, did you know that God isn't like us? And I was like, yep, I know that. Did you know that nothing is too big for him to care about? And I said, yeah, I know that. And then they said, and he cares just as much about our little problems. He's not like us. We have a capacity to care, and we don't like to waste our capacity on the small things. But with God, he fully cares about every single problem and trouble. And and it made me really think. What this young Christian said actually made me realize that I thought God was often too busy, too preoccupied for most of my problems. That God, you know, he had these big things on his plate, big problems, real problems that he had to deal with in the world and in people's lives. And my problems just didn't cut it, just didn't register. But I realized that's not true. The truth is God has unlimited capacity to care we can and we should cry out to god and we can ask god to deliver us from whatever problem we're in the thick of whether it be sickness financial hardship a relationship problem you know this is what david is asking for he's asking for deliverance arise lord deliver me my god and jesus prayed the same thing the night before he was crucified Take this cup, this suffering from me. This psalm and many psalms are filled with prayers for a change of circumstance. And we can pray that as well. We can ask God to help us in our troubles, big or small. But there's something deeper going on here. David obviously wanted things to change. Who wouldn't in his situation? But his hope was in something else. David here is actually crying out for God. I've heard a lot of people say, and maybe you're not in this boat, but my guess is that you know more of us are in this boat. I am done with 2023. Bring on 2024. And I've had similar feelings. You know, there's hope in a new year, a reset, a refresh, a new start. This year, things are going to be better, right? I can put 2023 behind me and all the problems, all the things behind me. And as I've reflected on this, I've realized that, for me at least, my hope is often in a change of circumstances, that... 2024 or some other change will deliver us, will deliver me, will make my life better. I was thinking about this in the way that we pray. You know, two people can pray the exact same thing. They can pray for healing, for help, for God to work in their life in some way. The same prayer. But one of those people can have their hope in that change while the other person 
has their hope in God. And we see this when David prays. Verse 5 and 6, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me, not his circumstances. He says, I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. I don't know about you, but I feel like two of the hardest things to do in the midst of thick trouble are sleeping and waking up. It can be hard to switch off the thoughts, the what-ifs. And when you finally get to sleep, it can be hard to wake up and to face another day of that trouble, of those thoughts. The fact that David can sleep peacefully and wake up again and face another day of his own sons and nation's mutiny is a miracle. I can barely sleep when there's one tiny mosquito in the room. David can sleep when there's tens of thousands of soldiers out to get him. How can he be so at peace? How can he tune out these troubles? Well, he's already told us. Oops, did I miss that? No, I just didn't quote it properly. That's right, that's verse 3. In verse 3, David says, But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. David doesn't have peace from his turmoil. He has peace in it. Not from his turmoil, but peace in it. And it's God himself who is his peace, whether his circumstances change or not. Let me ask you a tough question. It's been a tough question for me recently. Is God enough for you? In this life, In whatever you're going through, is God really enough? If I'm honest, I'm too often tempted to think he's not and look elsewhere. Jesus himself was no stranger to this temptation. Like I said, the night before he was crucified, before bearing all God's judgment at our sin... He cried out, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Does the fact that your life is in God's hands, does it bring you peace? Can you go to sleep and face another day? Not because your life is together not because you're so capable but because God is with you and because your life is in his hands and because his will is being done so we cry out to God in all our troubles big and small but even more so we cry out for God but what is it that David needs From God. At first glance, it's simply deliverance that God would rescue him from the soldiers, from his son, that David would be victorious over his son, 
and be able to be king again. But if you know David, and you sort of got a hint of it in the passage we read, and the events behind this psalm, it can't be those things. When it came to war, David was the best of the best. He didn't need many soldiers, and he had a few with him, as we read, but he could have easily solved this problem himself with force. The other thing is, he didn't want his son dead. And David's army knew this, and it frustrated them. If they just killed him, it would have been over. But David said no. Someone eventually went behind David's back and killed Absalom. And David mourned. And you can almost hear the tears. Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So what did God, uh, what did David want deliverance from? What did he need from God? He needed God's truth. You see, what was really threatening him, what his greatest enemy was, was the lies he was hearing. The end of verse 2, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Given his circumstances, kicked out of Jerusalem, hearing the whispers in the streets, the rumors that his son was spreading, it was tempting for David to believe, not that God couldn't help him, that God didn't want to, that God had given up on him, abandoned him. What was threatening to undo David more than anything was the lies, that God was against him, that God didn't really care, that God's love had run out on him. And it's not actually our troubles that are our biggest worry that most threaten us. It's the lies behind them. When life is hard, when we're in thick trouble, it can be easy for us to believe that God is against us or that he doesn't really care about what we're going through, that he has got bigger things to worry about, that he's frustrated with us, that his love has run out on us. He's lost patience. And that's why in verse 7, David asks God to strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. This is not just a violent cry of vengeance. He's asking God to shut them up. He doesn't want to hear these lies. He didn't want Absalom dead. He just didn't want to believe the lies that he was hearing. And it's right for us to pray this. That we would stop hearing these lies. That whatever's happening, that God would punch those lies right in the mouth. Because that can be our biggest undoing. It was for Adam and Eve in the garden. And it is for us. I want you to imagine that you go to the doctor 
because you're not feeling well and they assess you and they tell you you're sick and they can help you. They can write the script for the medicine you need, you can get it from the chemist, but they tell you, no, I'm not going to write you a script. Instead, they offer to bulk bill you and give you a hug. Or imagine you take your car to the mechanic because it's making weird noises and it's not running properly. And the mechanic says, they call you up and they say, yep, I know what's wrong. I can order the parts for you and your car will be fixed by the end of the day. But instead, they offer to sit with you in the car. I'll sit with you. You can drive it round and we can hear the noises together. That's what I'm offering. I don't know how you'd feel about that. But sometimes it can be frustrating because we know God can fix our situation. But he merely offers us a sort of spiritual hug or to sit with us in our troubles. Does it ever frustrate you? Well, he actually offers us more. He offers us truth. The truth is, if you've given your life to Jesus, there's no safer place for you to be. The truth is, your life is in his mighty hands. And yes, in this life we will suffer all kinds of trials, but as horrible as they can be, the truth is they're not worth comparing with the joy and glory of an eternity with God. The truth is you have a sure hope. The truth is nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're running from, doesn't change these truths. And so knowing these truths, having this hope, means that in this life, God is enough. God is our peace. It means that whether God fixes our problems or gives us relief from them now, doesn't matter so much. It's not the answer. It isn't our source of full comfort and hope. But having this God by our side, being reassured of his truths, well, that sort of spiritual hug is amazing. That this God sits with us in the trouble of our life is incredible. It does bring us peace. And it's what we need more than anything. He is our peace. He is our hope in our trouble. Let me pray. Father, I know that when we suffer, when we face trouble, you're not a distant God. You are near to us. You are with us. You even grieve alongside us and you want us to cry out to you. And it is easy for us to 
to get frustrated when for so much of our life we can get what we want and fix all our problems. It's frustrating that we have to wait. But that we can wait with you, I pray that that would be our joy and our peace in this life. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.